Hey guys, welcome back to Actually Adultish. My name is Christina Rice and I'm your host. I'm a holistic health coach living in Los Angeles, California. I'm the creator of the blog Addicted to Lovely and I'm also one of the hosts of the podcast Straight Up Paleo. I'm really excited to be talking with you guys again today. I have such a fun guest. I actually just got off the phone with her and she always lights up my day. So I know you're going to enjoy this. But before we get into that, just a few little housekeeping things. First of all, if you haven't joined the Facebook group, Actually Adultish Podcast Nation, I would love it if you would join in because it's a lot of fun. You can meet some other listeners, talk about random things, all the good stuff. And if you want to support the show, there are a few ways you can do that. The first way is by doing your regular Amazon shopping through the Amazon link in the show notes and on our website. It doesn't cost you anything extra. You just do your regular Amazon shopping and then a portion of those proceeds go to supporting the show and allowing me to produce it, continue to put out free content, all that jazz. And I know you're on Amazon anyways. The other way that you can support the show is by becoming a patron of Actually Adultish. And you can do that by going to patreon.com slash actuallyadultish. And all of that information is in the show notes as well to the show. So it can be a dollar a month. It could be five, 10, 50 cents, (laughs) whatever you want. Every little bit counts. And again, that just helps with the production costs so we can keep the show rolling. So that's all that fun stuff. The other thing I want to talk to you about is something I'm really excited about. If you read my blog or you follow me on Instagram, you've already heard about it, but I'm launching a five-week virtual program that's going to start on November 7th, and it's all about transitioning to the paleo diet, the paleo lifestyle for women, and I'm just really excited about this because it's something that I help so many of my clients with transitioning to a healthier lifestyle and it's a really great way to do it in a group setting and I can get a lot more information out to a lot more people at once through this. So the way it'll work is each week you get weekly live training video calls. So I'll be on a call with everybody who's in the program and you get to ask me any questions you want. I'm going to go over a ton of different content. You get the opportunity for live coaching and you'll get weekly PDFs, little homework assignments. You know what I mean? And you'll also get to be in the private Facebook group, which is a place where you will have constant support, can ask any other questions. It's just going to be really interactive and really helpful. And I'm so excited for all of the content you are going to get. And we're going to cover pretty much everything you need to know about paleo and the lifestyle. So we're going to talk about the benefits, how it helps women and why it's different for women specifically. We're going to talk about macronutrients and how to build a healthy plate and action steps for making the transition, cooking and grocery shopping hacks, all that jazz, how to read a label, how to know what you can trust, what you can't all the top mistakes women make on paleo and how you can avoid those mistakes. I have a whole list and how to make it a lifestyle. We're going to talk about stress management and movement exercise. We're going to talk about sleeping and sunlight and all those fun things. And then we're going to do a bonus module all about balancing hormones because that is a huge factor in 
maintaining optimal health in my opinion and I would really love to help more women feel their best. So if you are interested in doing that, you can sign up at the link in the show notes and you can go to bit.ly slash paleo women transition bit.ly slash paleo women transition. You can also easily find it by just going to my blog addicted to lovely.com and it's under programs. So signups are now I'm going to raise the price at the end of the week. So right now it's at a discounted price and it's also only going to be open to a limited number of people. I haven't decided exactly how many people I'm going to cap it off at, but I don't want to have too many because Otherwise, I won't be able to give people the individualized attention that I want to be able to. I want to be able to answer everybody's questions and really focus on people who sign up. So it's honestly a great deal for five weeks of content and live coaching. I'm really excited about it. And I love it because the content that you'll get, you will get a lot of value out of this, whether you are totally new to eating a whole foods diet or if you have been for a while, you're going to learn something, I promise. So it's really for everybody. So I'm really excited about this and make sure you check out the program if you're interested. And I will put the info in the show notes as usual. So the other thing I want to mention is my friend Amy's digital nomad nutritionist course, which you've heard me talk about. And a lot of you have told me how much you're loving it, which really makes me happy. So if you don't know about it already, basically, if you're an NTP, a health coach, a nutritionist, or you just love wellness, or you just want to turn your passion into a business and work from online, then this course will be perfect for you. You should definitely join because Amy breaks down everything you need to know in order to turn health and wellness into your full-time business and she is going to break it down it's an online self-paced course she'll teach you how to distinguish yourself from other wellness blogs how to set up your website and your email list how to find your audience how to build your brand without a designer how to grow your email list how to use social media how to create products all of those things so you'll be very well set if you want to join this program and you'll get a hundred dollars off if you go through the link that's in the show notes or go to bit.ly slash digital nomad capital c capital r bit.ly slash digital nomad cr with a capital c and a capital r so if you want a hundred dollars off the course or just want to learn more head to that link and you can check it out so now that i've updated you on everything let's talk about today's guest I'm obsessed with her, Sarah Schutz. She is the creator of the Cutting Veg blog. If you read her blog or follow her on Instagram, she makes my day every day. We met each other for the first time when I was in Philly for the Good Fest. And we just instantly were like, we have to be best friends. And I love her. She has amazing energy and so much knowledge. She is one of the smartest humans I've ever met. And she just like makes me want to jump around and smile and has she has so many amazing just life tips. She's very realistic about how to live a healthy lifestyle. And I could just talk to her for hours. And we actually originally recorded this episode about a week ago, but something happened with the sound and it was echoing the whole time. And I couldn't use it, which made me literally want to cry because it was the best thing ever. It was the best episode. 
but she so graciously offered to re-record. So we had a new conversation and she recorded with me while she was basically on vacation in New York and found a random hotel to record in. So there is a little noise in the background, but it's totally fine. Um, it's, I'm just glad that it worked out. And this conversation is actually totally different than our initial one. So it's fun because you get new stuff all the way around. Um, if you're not familiar with Sarah, you definitely should check her out and you'll fall in love with her by the end of this episode if you don't already know her. So I'm just really excited that she's on the show. I definitely want to have her back on. We talk about everything related to healthy living and also talk about some of the dynamics of being a woman in male dominated industries. Really interesting perspective. She's a total badass. She's going to become an economist and as soon as she gets her PhD I'm going to refer to her as Dr. Sarah I told her that I love it so she has a super secret government job she's actually in the CIA just kidding but she's cool you'll learn more about her job with all of her fancy statistical analysis in this episode all of the things so I hope you guys really enjoy this and let's hop into it hey Sarah Hey, Christina. What's going on? Oh, my gosh. It has been such a crazy day um, trying to set this up, but I'm so happy that we were able to figure this out. I've just been in New York this weekend, and I've been running around like a crazy person. So, Yeah, and what are you doing in New York? So I'm doing two different things. I'm having fun because it's Diwali this week, which is a holiday. Um, A lot of Indians celebrate it. And my friend invited me to like go to some really TBH bougie party. (laughs) And I was like, I couldn't help myself. And um, the other thing I'm doing is I partner with a lot of restaurants when I'm in New York. So I love to visit and shoot content for them. And it's just really fun being here, you know, doing my second job, basically. Yeah. And we're going to get into that in a second. How long are you there? I'm there here till Saturday. So today is Friday and I'm here till tomorrow afternoon. I'm doing like a boxing class tomorrow. Ooh. I know. I've never done it. I'm so excited. I've never done boxing either. That's really fun. I'm pumped. So pumped. Yeah. And I'm so happy we could do this. Thank you for taking time out of your New York trip to re-record this because we already recorded an amazing episode, but the sound got messed up. Oh my God, but we're going to kill it because we can talk for a million hours about everything. So exactly. And, but I want to, I want to cover like the same things we talked about because it was such a good conversation, you know, Yes. but we will do it even better this time. But first of all, why don't you give a little introduction about yourself to my listeners in case they're not familiar with you? Who are you? Awesome. So my name is Sarah. Um, I am on Instagram as The Cutting Veg, and I also have a blog called uh, thecuttingvegblog.com. Um, basically, it's a healthy recipe and wellness blog. Um, I'm mostly vegetarian. Um, I do eat fish occasionally. So it's just, honestly, it's help. my idea for the blog is to help people learn how to make healthy living more accessible as well as affordable, because I think a lot of people are just really intimidated around healthy eating and healthy living and and they know that it's just it is really affordable to be able to do it and it is it can be really easy and it doesn't have to be super difficult and I just want to push that on to people and let them know that there are ways that they can do that 
And I also have a side job. Well, it's not really, it's actually my primary job right now. <laughs> um, and I work in Washington, D.C. Um, and I work for the U.S. government and it's as a research analyst. And it's also my blog is really fun because it helps people learn how to balance healthy living and their real life, right, life in, a, in a really easy way. Yeah, I know. And that's why I love it because you show people like you can have a full-time serious job and still eat healthy food and make time for healthy living. And like you, if you have the time to write a blog and take pictures and post to Instagram, then somebody who's not doing those things can definitely make healthy meals for themselves, you know? Oh yes, absolutely. And it's like, it's so funny because a lot of people ask me how I do it all. And it's funny because I think millennials, to be honest, like people say, Oh, millennials are so lazy. Um, well, no. millennials have to hustle you know, because we were, are so screwed over with our finances and with everything, with the financial crisis. And I know so many people who do second and third jobs just to get by with that, with their lives, essentially. I know. And you know, it's funny. I was just talking with my mom about this last weekend because, and we were saying how we feel like the older generation says that about millennials because they're imagining us doing what they were doing in mm -hmm. college life or like young 20s. 30s is so different nowadays than oh, yeah. what it was for them. Like I don't I think I personally think that the college years are probably the hardest time in people's lives because pretty much everybody is like they're full-time students and they have jobs and they have some other side hustle and they're trying to be social. You know like I feel like they have the most going on. Oh yeah, I actually have this conversation with my mom all the time like my mom is such a hustler, and but she was able to afford to pay for her school while working like a job in a department store. And I really admire that, but in this day and age, you cannot fund your college tuition, especially if you go to a very, you know, if you wanna to go to like, a, even if you wanna to go to like a public school, like it's really difficult to be able to live on that income and, you know, go to school and like not have to take out a student loan. Like yeah. it's so difficult. I know. And so it forces people to do 5 million things. But even if it's not a financial situation, there's just like this general pressure, I feel like, to just be doing so many things. Oh, yeah. I think that I know as millennials, and it's hard because we want to be able to pursue our creative pursuits. Like I actually was just talking to another blogger about this, how she works at um, this consulting firm called Accenture. And she is doing that and she's also blogging and she just does not feel, feel fulfilled. So like, I think a lot more millennials just have this desire to make their create, like they want to make their creative side into their not like not nine to five, but their primary source of income. And we're just not as willing to just accept like, well, this is my job. Like this is how I'm going to make a living as prior generations. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a good thing. Like I feel like we're so lucky to live in an, an age where you can you can make anything your job you know oh absolutely yeah but it's difficult for me because right now I'm in this like crossroads of a path because I love my nine to five job so much unlike a lot of people my age but I also have this side blogging business that I'm obsessed with and like all my spend all my free time doing so yeah. I, I'm like not sure what to do right now to be honest well, let's talk more about your life because I think it's so fascinating and like how you do it all and your days because, well, you're not, you also, you didn't even mention that you're also taking like class. 
Oh yeah, that's right. So, um, I'm, I, so I'm actually in the midst of applying to PhD programs right now. And in order to be considered competitive for the PhDs that I wanted to go into, um, I need to take almost like a post back. So I'm currently taking a linear algebra real analysis course all online. And it's really, really difficult because I think all of my free time that I don't spend blogging or at work, I am doing problem sets for this class and taking quizzes for this class. And it's, it can be at times like very hard to balance. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, I forgot how much work class is. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about this. What, like comparing your experience in this class now versus like school before, is it different now? Oh yes. So when I was in college, um, I was the kind of person who always went to office hours, always loved talking to the professor and the TAs and making sure I understood everything. When you have class online, it like, you have to like kind of email your TA and be like, Hey, like, you know, can I meet with you at this time over Skype? And it's just not the same. Like there's not as much nuance to it. Mm -hmm. Um, it is really convenient though, because all the lectures are online. So like a couple nights ago, in order to make sure I was ahead of the class before I went to New York, I watched all the lectures that I needed to before I went. So it is really competitive. It is really flexible with my schedule to take it online. But like, for example, the quizzes, I have to always like find a proctor to like proctor my exam and like sign off on the paperwork. And like, I live alone in a studio. And so finding a person to sit there for four hours while I take my exam, it can be very, very difficult. Yeah. And I think that's so funny because how do they make sure that the proctor, like, can it literally be anyone? Yeah, it can actually, yeah, it can be anyone. They just have to sign off on a paper. It's like, I, it's also like the, so I'm taking the class through the Harvard Extension School. And so their honor code, they take very, very seriously. So it's actually like, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people, because it's through that school, hold it to such a high degree that they wouldn't do anything that's, you know, considered against the honor code. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay. Let's talk about how you're fitting this all in. Like, how you're scheduling this into your life in terms of what does your day look like? What does your week look like? Like, do you have specific times dedicated to school or do you just fit it in whenever you can? Or like, how does that work? Yeah. So I'm really into bullet journaling. Um, I don't know if your listeners know what bullet journaling is, but it's essentially like it's doing like a day planner, but you can kind of customize it to whatever you want. And so what I do is at the beginning of every week, I schedule blocks of time. Like I know I have to be at work from eight to six. That's just when I work during the day. But other than that, I just schedule, I have to schedule in time because if I don't schedule in time to study, if I don't schedule in time to do my graduate applications, if I don't schedule time, like for my social life, Mm -hmm. I will never be able to get it done. And I know for me, like if I don't schedule it, my homework can just go on or my studying can just, cause you can always study more. So I know I need to cap it off at a certain point because after a certain point, I just end up like not being productive at all. Yeah, that's a good point. And I, that's something I've always struggled with, like feeling like the homework, the studying never ends. And it's because we make it never end. Like, oh yeah. If you don't put a cap on it, then you're just going to keep going. Right. Right. I'm super into, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but it's called the Pomodoro method where you like, Oh, okay. So I'm, they have these timers online. It's called Pomodoro. And basically it's a 25 minute timer. So during those 25 minutes, you have to be studying. You can't be on Facebook, but then they schedule in a five minute break. And then during that five minute break, you can do whatever you want. And the research shows that that is like your most, you can only be productive for up to 25 minutes. 
And then after that, you like lose it. So they include this break so that you end up being more productive. Yeah, that's so interesting. That's actually, I mean, I was just learning about that in school. They said that it was 20 minutes of solid cognitive engagement. And then you kind of like your brain wanders off. So that makes sense with like 25 minutes and then a break. Yeah. Um, But I personally have a hard time with timers, though, because when I know there's a timer, it takes everything (laughs) in me not to constantly look at the timer. Oh, I feel that. Yeah, that's why I kind of like do this thing where I do a tab, like a tab on Google Chrome, and I kind of like swipe it off to the side, and then it'll make a noise when the timer goes off, but I don't see it. So that's what I do. Yeah, that's smart. Okay, so, okay, what's like a day in your life? Like, like, when are you waking up? When are you leaving? I like want to know how you're fitting in a whole day. Oh, goodness. Okay, so the average weekday. Let's do that. Yeah. So I wake up at 5.45, not by choice. (laughs) I'm actually like, if I could pick my ideal wake-up time, it would be like 7.30, 8 o'clock. But because I'm such a morning workout person, I have to get up at 5.45 if I want to be able to fit in a workout before. And I'm a big fan. We've talked about this, but I'm a big fan of the pop sugar workouts online. So much fun. Um, they're just the, the, the people, the instructors are so engaging and like, I don't have to, I have a small gym in my, the basement of my apartment building, but like it's got treadmills and stuff. So like, if I don't want to run and I want to do some sort of like hit training, there's no real space down there for that. Yeah. So I just do it in my apartment with a yoga mat and it, it, it works. I'm like, I can, I think I'm the fittest that I've ever been in yeah. my, my life doing that. Um, so that I usually finish my workout around like 6:45. And then I get ready, um, I do my makeup and I do my hair and I shoot my breakfast every morning before I leave, which is insane. But normally it's like some overnight oats or like something really easy that I can just dump in a bowl and top with things. And I bring my lunch, which I always do meal prep. So I always have like a Tupperware full of lunch. So I just grab one and I go. Then I walk to work which is like the best thing I would say, like I've lived a lot of places, but I've never been able to walk to work where I have just like 30 minutes of like listening to my podcasts. And it's just like the best therapeutic thing. I walk to and from work every day and I work from eight to six. I usually try to schedule in a break in the middle just so I can like go outside because where I work in DC, it's like right near the national mall. So it's just like be reminding myself of where I am and like the privilege that I have of living where I live. It's just I like to remind myself of that. So, and plus DC right now is beautiful. So then I go home around like 5.30, 6 o'clock, depending on the, the intensity of my work. Sometimes I'll even leave earlier because I can telework. So I'll just bring my work with me and like go to a coffee shop or something. And then I usually get home. Sometimes I'll go for like a run afterwards just to like clear my head and like separate my creative or like my school work from like my actual work. And then depending on the day, depending on if I've scheduled in work work or um, like blog work, I will schedule that I'll do whatever that is. Then I usually don't eat dinner. I'm such a late dinner eater, which is so funny because I feel like everyone on Instagram like eats dinner super early. So no, uh, no, I eat dinner at like 930. It's like it's probably terrible for my digestion, but I've just been eating this way for so long that I don't care. And um, I end up going to bed. I always try to go to bed by 11, but normally it's usually like 1130. And at this point in my life, I know I need more sleep, but I just like, I, it's just, a, I'm so busy that I just have to make it not the priority, which is really bad right now. But yeah. that's just how a normal, this is me right now. Yeah. But it's like, it's real life. And I'm glad you 
we I want to talk about this because I know a lot of people look at you know healthy Instagrammers, healthy bloggers and they feel bad because they can't quote unquote copy the way they live their lives. But I'm like it's unrealistic for people to have a 2-hour morning routine, a 2-hour nighttime routine. Like, oh yeah. This leisurely like, every the whole day is leisure like it doesn't work like that. And like and make sure you get at least 8 hours of sleep like I, I remember I was listening to somebody the other day and like they literally had a two hour morning routine, a two hour night routine. And then they were saying that they sleep 10 hours a night. And I'm like, what do you do? Like, hi. Yeah. I, for me at this point in my life, I cannot like, so there's a lot of people, I, I understand the benefit of cutting off your technology like an hour before yeah. you go to sleep. But if I were to do that, I would have to stop working at around like 10 o'clock at night, which for me right now, to, in order for me to be able to do it all, I as much as I want to, I can't physically do that. Yeah. So it's, it sucks, but people have to understand that like, if you're a blogger or, and you're doing and you're working and it's really difficult to balance things. Like I know so many bloggers who have day jobs and we kind of like, you know, congregate over this, like, Oh my gosh, like, how do I do it all? Like my really good friend, Becky, um, from Bex lives healthy. She's a nurse and I'm always so impressed. I don't know how she does it all. But uh, there's a lot of us that are, it make it look easy, but people need to understand that healthy living is a choice and it's a conscious choice. And in order to, and it's, it doesn't have to be difficult, but I mean, people have to understand that bloggers have a lot of, like, if you do this for a living, it's like, it's a lot easier. And so it's just consciously making an effort to do it, I think is the important thing. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have that misconception that bloggers that's all they're doing and there are very few bloggers who are just full-time bloggers most people have a full daytime job absolutely but a lot of them you know you shouldn't feel guilty if you can't schedule in a two-hour workout I'm lucky if I get 30 minutes yeah so if you're just taking that time for yourself no matter what you're doing or what it is even if it's just like a 10-minute like meditation like that's awesome. Like that's such a good way to be good to yourself and to your mind and to your body. And you shouldn't feel guilty that you don't have the time to do an hour long soul cycle class or something. Yeah. I don't have time for that. At all. No, neither do I. I, I did. I do soul cycle this morning because I'm kind of on vaca- a little bit on vacation. Yeah. So I don't really, I was like, I'll treat myself to this. Yeah, no, that's fine. It's like, like life ebbs and flows and it's like, Sometimes you just have to do what you can fit in in that moment, and that's fine, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, that's how I am. Yeah, and the other thing I want to talk about is, like, I would love for you to give some tips on how to be healthy with a 9-to-5, with going to oh. work. And, like, you know, I know you love your meal prep and things like that and how you try and stay active during the day in small ways, things like that. Yeah, absolutely. So one of my biggest tips is meal prep, meal prep, meal prep. I can't stress it enough. Um, Every Sunday I'll take, and meal prep can be whatever you want. Like it can be just chopping up vegetables for a recipe that you want to do. It can be actually making the recipe. Also the freezer. I don't know if people like are into this, but I'm super into like making things in big batches and freezing them. So like during the week, like I don't like, especially, so one of the big complaints I get is like, especially if you live by yourself, you know, someone will make a recipe that serves four people. And then they're like, I get sick of it by Tuesday. And I totally get that. So what I do is I make a recipe, I freeze half of it. So I only have to eat two portions. And then it's awesome because I can high five my past self 
Yes. When I go into, when I don't want to cook and I find this like delicious lentil curry that I've made or like uh, tomato sauce. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like I, now I have dinner and I don't have to do any work for it. So I can't stress it enough. I personally, with my meal prep, I will pick one or two lunches every week. And they're usually like grain salads or something like something that'll last well into the week. And I'll make them and I'll put them in Tupperware. And then so, like I mentioned before, in the morning, I, it's brainless. I just grab one and I can just go to work. And I'm a just, I love eating my lunch. I love packing my lunch. It's a really, honestly, like if you were to eat lunch out every single day, it's like so much money. And I don't have the money, to be honest, to go to like a salad place every day to get it like a $15 salad. Um, so for me, meal prep is essential for both my budget as well as my you know, my life. The other thing I would suggest is, um, living a health, like if you're doing a nine to five, I actually really like taking the time to stretch. So I have a standing desk, which I know is a privilege that not a lot of people can have. Um, but even when I didn't, I would bring my yoga mat to work and I would like just sometimes like go off to a quiet place and just do some stretches just to like get that because it sucks sitting at your desk for eight hours. Like I get it. So for me, or even just like getting out of the building and walking around outside just to like have the air and the sun. And especially this time of year, it's October, like it's not too cold yet. And it's just really refreshing and just taking in all of that, that energy from outside and then bringing it into your work. I find I can focus a lot better when I do that. Yeah, no, I love those tips. And I also love that you walk to and from work. Like, I think that's great. Oh my God. I totally channel you when I do that. Like it's fantastic. And I love love it. Yeah. And podcasts, like I cannot recommend listening to podcasts enough. Like it just like, I don't know for me, I don't even watch TV anymore, to be honest. I just listen to a bunch of podcasts and I feel like I learn so much about, you know, the, the world and like what's going on. And like, I'm obsessed with this one called switched on pop. And it's about like, them analyzing uh popular songs like pop songs which i'm totally i'm totally not a music person but this is just like oh my god such a good podcast i need to check that one out i've never heard of that that sounds so yes you would love it it's so good no okay those yeah i need to check those out but all of those are such amazing points and like i think going back to the freezer thing like that is so underutilized Oh my gosh. It's something I tell all of my clients that I work with and they're just like shocked. They're like, why would I put things? I think people associate freezer with like unhealthy and not not at all. I mean, my freezer is always stocked with frozen things that are already made and frozen things that aren't made. Like frozen vegetables, first of all, are cheaper. Second of all, half the time are healthier because they've been frozen when they're, you know, at their highest nutrient density. Like what's wrong with frozen vegetables? Like, and they're always there, you know, they also, see me. Also, you can roast them from frozen and it's so easy. And yeah. people don't realize that sometimes I even prefer roasted frozen vegetables to fresh roasted vegetables. Just depends on my mood. Also, like frozen spinach is the best way to introduce nutrients into your diet. You just t- like chop off a chunk and heat it up and toss it in a soup or a stew or a curry. And it's so affordable and easy. Like you can get a bag of organic you know, spinach, frozen spinach for like a dollar 69. Like that's nothing. And it's so much spinach actually, because it's all like compressed down. That's like what I always have a bag of that, that and peas. I always have those two things in my freezer. Yeah. You know what I love is just frozen spinach with like with coconut milk, like to make a cream spinach, like, and it's so fast and it tastes so good. 
Oh my gosh, I do. I have a curry recipe and it's like that with sun-dried tomatoes and chickpeas. Uh, and you put it over a sweet potato and it's like heaven. It's yeah. so good. That sounds amazing. And then the other thing is like, I mean, going back to meal prep. Okay, this is one of my biggest pet peeves is when you hear people say, I don't have time to cook healthy. And I'm like, how how is making like a salad the night before more time consuming than making your sandwich? It's the same thing. Yeah, I know. And to me, it's like, I've just, I've been doing meal prep since I was in college. So for me, I guess it's just like built in. So I don't really, you know, for me, Sunday, it's always like, okay, I'm going to roast some vegetables. But I, but I think people like associate like, oh my gosh, meal prep. I have to do everything, all my cooking for the week in this short amount of time. Really meal prep can be as much or as little as you want. Like if you want to just like chop up like vegetables so that you can grab like veggies with hummus, like for the week, like that, and that's all you can do. I do that sometimes. And it just, it's just a way to make healthy living cheaper and easier so that you're not tempted to reach for like a sandwich at like a very expensive store. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So true. Do you, how long does it take you to meal prep? Um, it depends on the week. Um, usually if, if I want my ideal meal prep, it'll take me like two and a half hours just because I also only have like two sheet trays. So it's like to roast all of my vegetables. It takes sometimes a while. So I usually like to do a big batch of grains. If I'm cooking beans from scratch, um, I'll do, I will cook a a pot of beans from scratch. Um, and it's great because those can go in the freezer. Like you can do a whole bag of beans and then they freeze super well. Mm -hmm. And I will also like, I, like I said, like I'll make two lunches each day. Like, so I'll do two for Monday, Tuesday, two for Wednesday, Thursday. And, um, I'll do a big curry or something for dinner, but like that's on an ideal week. Most of the time that's not it. What ends up happening. It's more just like cutting up vegetables and making the two lunches. The lunches are the most important thing for me to meal prep because that I just don't have the time in the morning to make lunch for myself. Yeah, no, that's so useful. And speaking of food. So one of the things that I love you for is that you show me all the fun Trader Joe's finds. Oh my gosh, yes. You are like Trader Joe's mascot, I swear. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. But People will ask me all the time what I recommend. Like it is, I would say the of the DMs I get, it is the number one thing that people ask me. Like, what do you buy at Trader Joe's? And it's bad. I live five minutes from one, like walking. It's yeah. terrible. No, I'm the same. Then you're turning me, you're turning me into a TJ's obsessed person. But tell us some of the things that lately you've been really into. Just a few things that you like there. Okay, I'll try to keep it to a few. Yeah. So I am obsessed with their um, Pollock Paneer. I will say this. I always have one in my freezer. Pollock Paneer, if you don't know what it is, it's a spinach Indian curry with like uh, paneer is uh, like cheese cubes. And it's just, it's got a lot of protein and it's just a really quick thing to top, like toss in the microwave and eat. And it doesn't, it's, I mean, look, like I'm like with the ingredients and stuff, like Trader Joe's is not going to be the best for that. But there are just some times where I, I just have to choose convenience over. And I and I'm, I have to think like I'm taking small steps to be healthy as opposed to like making sure everything is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. So for me, I would rather just do that. I love, oh, I'm trying to think. I love their, oh, Green Dragon hot sauce is Ooh. so good. I love spicy food. And this is like a, a hot sauce with like cilantro and uh, like jalapenos. And it's like super good and grassy. And like sometimes I don't want sriracha. Sometimes I want something a little more fresh. So I will, I can down a whole bottle of that. Also, their mixed nut butter I'm addicted to. Like I, I've tried a lot of nut butters from companies that will send them to me. 
this nut butter is still my absolute favorite from Trader Joe's. Yeah, I think that's one of the best things they've ever released, honestly. It's so good. Also, like, everything bagel seasoning, of course. Yeah, that has taken over the world, I swear. I like I sometimes will just dump it in my hand and eat it out of my hand not even gonna lie oh like God, I love that. I'm such an east coaster like I love my everything bagels I love so like for this I can make avocado toast into an everything bagel and I'm obsessed if you approve of that then you know it's good if oh hell yeah New York bageler approves okay awesome those are good racks I love it so I also let's talk about something else interesting Okay, what did you study in college? So I was an economics and statistics double major and a history minor when I was in college, which is like, when I look back on it, I don't even know how I handled it. Because I was also, when I started college, I thought I was going to be a doctor. So I was a biochem major, which was like, yeah, so intense. Um, I was not mentally prepared for it. I was going to be a biochem econ double major. And now I'm like, thank goodness, because I took organic chemistry and was like, no, I can't think spatially. So now I am now I so I became an economics and statistics double major. And I, I, I'm really happy that I found a major that I'm passionate about, because I feel like a lot of people like struggle in college to find what they are interested in. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And where did you go? Uh, so I went to Barnard College, which is a women's college. Uh, but I, it's interesting because uh, Barnard College is the sister college of Columbia University. So I take a lot of my classes with men, and I a lot of the clubs I joined in college were with men. And um, my statistics major actually is only offered at Columbia. So it was like an interesting experience because I kind of got the best of both worlds, I would say. And it was, and, I, and then I was also in New York City, so it was like just a lot of very unique experiences all rolled into one. Yeah, that is interesting. And like one of the things that I wanted to really talk about is like what it's like being a woman in a major that's mainly male dominated. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's interesting because I can remember from when I started my major, especially in like, I took a lot of graduate level statistics courses. I was like one of five women in a hundred percent class. And I was usually one of only two American women. So like most of the people who take statistics are international students. Yeah. And so I, I was only one of two women, uh, like English speaking, like natural English speaking women in like a hundred person class. And and even like, so I, when I, I graduated in 2015 and I went to Princeton University to do research for a professor there. And I then also now I work for the U.S. government and I'm doing research there. And it's like always, it's still a very male dominated. A lot of the economists who I work with are very, are men. And it's just interesting because I really feel like I have to prove myself almost to them that I'm capable enough and that I'm intelligent enough that I can assert myself and that I am capable to do the job. And my direct superiors think that I am capable clearly, but sometimes I don't know. It's just the, the microaggressions sometimes are, can be very difficult in the career that I work in. That's interesting. Can you, can you explain that a little more? Just like, I don't know, just, I'm trying to think, you know, just like, for example, sometimes the economists that I work with will have me like, Oh, here's the thing. So I used to work in an office with another research assistant and the economists would always go to him to like ask him questions. And sometimes I was like, wait a minute. I think that I, and, and sometimes I would know, I would sit there and they would be giving the wrong answer to the people. 
But I always in the back of my mind was like, why are they going to him? Now, granted, he was working there like longer than I was, but it was still like kind of, I don't know, maybe people thought that I didn't know what to do, even though I did. And especially like having done research, I did research in college and then I did research after like a year afterwards. And I am very lucky because I don't have that, but there are definitely times where I have to sit back and think about, you know, I'm being treated maybe differently, maybe because I'm a female, which is so interesting because on Instagram, it's such a female dominated space. So it's like night and day for those two types of interactions. Yeah. And I mean, so you felt like that's in, that was in your work environment that that situation happened, right? Yes. And when then, I was, uh, yeah. And then when did you, what about in college, like in class, did you think that, did the professors or your peers treat you differently? Yeah. I think it's so interesting because I mean, it's very, I think a lot of women recognize that if you are an assertive female or if you're a very, so I'm very lucky because I went to Barnard where like most of my, the classes that I would go to at Barnard were all female. And so I think a lot of people, a lot of women in my classes felt a lot more comfortable, you know, raising their hand or answer, answering questions or, but I noticed that like when I would be in like a, a class in a lecture or at a seminar with like at Columbia, And this is not to like, you know, put down people. I just think it's so ingrained in our society that it's difficult for people to like take themselves out for a second and recognize this. But like I would raise my hand or something or I would assert my opinion and the the professor would not be would like be like, yeah, okay. But then um, a male colleague of mine would like reformulate my same answer, maybe with a slightly different language. And the professor would be like, that is a great point. And I'm like, you just re-expressed the opinion that I just stated. And yeah, yeah, and it can be, it can be really frustrating, like as a female, because I mean, I was the kind of person in high school that I would always raise my hand first to answer a question. And like females, I think a lot of times are not Like you're supposed to sit back and like, you know, be, you know, calm. And like the guys are encouraged to be more ambitious answering questions. And for me, it's like Barnard really taught me to be assertive and like not be afraid of like raising my hand and asking questions and, you know, getting like aspiring to be the best student that I can be. And I think that's reflected a lot in my blogging style because you know, I'm not afraid to like tell it like it is on my stories. I'm not afraid to hold back like that. And I think not that people do, but I think it just offers a different style than some other people. Yeah. And I mean, okay. I, I think this topic is so interesting. Like, why do you think it is that women, for instance, are afraid to raise their hands in class and assert their opinion? Like, is it because of our own limiting beliefs? Is it because we're worried about what the professor will say? Is it because we're worried about what the male peers will think? Like, what do you think it is? I think, so for me, um, so my, the president of Barnard, her name was, well, now it's a new president, but the one that when I was there, her, she wrote a book about like, can, she was really inspired by Sheryl Sandberg. And it's this idea of like women having it all, like being able to have a career and have kids. And like, there's just such a pressure among females. I feel like, especially to be like absolutely perfect. Like to be, you know, like if they get an answer wrong, like I feel like people are a lot more critical than of their male colleagues who, you know, can just like get back up and they're given the benefit of the doubt that even though they might be wrong, they still have the capabilities to be able to do it. So I think women are just really, you know, been conditioned by society to be really, to be afraid of being wrong. And it's not, 
it's not wrong to, you know, make a mistake and to say the wrong thing. And, you know, you just, we have to learn to fail gracefully and to take failure as a lesson of how we can be better and how we can improve ourselves. And I think that it's just more difficult for women to, you know, because of how society conditions us, it's more difficult for us to accept that. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like, I think back to high school and like if a guy said something that was wrong or he met quote unquote messed up people just laugh it off and forget but if a girl did something like that then she would get shit for it forever like somebody would always bring it up you know oh yeah it's so difficult and like I'm very lucky that I you know came of age in an environment that it was okay to make a mistake as a woman and I just really want to empower people to you know it's okay like if you like I think it reflects in my blogging style. Like, it's okay if you can't meal prep every week. It's okay if you don't work out six days a week. It's okay. Like, you just have to be the best that you can, and you just have to try your hardest. And that's all you can do. And that's good enough. And people should accept you and love you for that. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think another thing we talked about before was kind of like how you said you noticed differences with international students. Mm-hmm. Like it, like women from uh, who are international students didn't seem as afraid. Yeah, no, I feel like a lot of times like they were just. I mean, I don't know if this is this is just my observation. So obviously, like I can't. I don't want to make generalizations, but yeah. I just found that like I was very lucky to go to a school where there were a lot of international students, and I just found a lot of times those women were just very assertive in their. And I would always look up to them because for me, like. Uh, that was what I always wanted to be like. And for, and you know, I'm very happy that I've been able to take that and make it into something for myself. So, yeah. Have you traveled abroad? I have. And like, did you notice that when you traveled abroad that just women were more, I don't know. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like the couple of times. So like I went to Amsterdam last November And I was very lucky because the person who I was staying with was working there and had friends who like were working there. So we went out with them a lot of times. And yeah, I find that just like people, it's it's this idea of like what their priorities and what they take. Like, I feel like in the U.S., like money is like a lot of my friends are working to make a lot of money. And that's fine. But I find that like in, in other places, like I've only really traveled in Europe. But from what I see, people are looking for a better quality of life. And that doesn't necessarily mean to have more money. That can mean having closer relationships. That can mean, you know, eating, like eating better or living in a better space. You know, like it, it's mostly the relationships that people don't, you know, that they want to feel like they're taking care of themselves and taking care of others and not just, you know, having a ton of money. And I, and I've tried to take that into my own life because you know, money makes life easier, but at the end of the day, your relationships with people are what's most important. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so true. Well, it's funny, though, because I feel like the stereotype of going abroad, there's a stereotype of, like, it's not safe to, to like, travel alone as a woman, you know? Like, it's safer in America. I don't know. But then, meanwhile, it's almost like women who are in America are more... yeah emotionally we're more afraid I feel like yeah I think okay so like for I would never travel to South America without like a male counterpart just because uh like incidents like trigger warning right here but incidents of sexual assault are more prevalent I think in certain areas so personally for myself I would not travel 
um, as a female, as a female by myself in South America at this current moment. Mm -hmm. Um, but in Europe, I feel like it's very safe just because there's just a culture of compassion there that I've never experienced anywhere before, especially in like, I know you talked to Courtney, um, about her experiences in Stockholm and, and in those areas. And it's just, there's just a culture of compassion there that I've never seen in any other part of the world besides, you know, that besides there. So it, it is interesting that women, you know, are made to feel like, oh, America's so safe, but like, is it, I'm not sure, you know, it might be. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's also like, what kind of safety are we talking about? Like, I feel like we're not as respected, like in like emotionally, just like as like if we're like not thinking about in terms of like sexual assault, like Mm -hmm. just like as a caretaker, like, yeah, for example, like like moms, like women who are stay at home moms, I feel like are not given enough respect versus like maybe in other cultures, like they are given so much respect because people understand what they're doing. Quick break, you guys. I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Sarah as much as I am. But I want to just take the opportunity to talk about beauty kind of really quickly, which is very relevant when we're discussing women empowerment because the women in beauty counter are the ones in Washington right now fighting to get the personal care industry better regulated because it's important that companies disclose what they put in the products that we buy and use And it's important that we have stricter regulations because what you put on your skin goes into your skin and really can affect your body. Unfortunately, a lot of companies put different chemicals in their products that are hormone disruptors, endocrine disruptors, and carcinogens. It can just cause a lot of long-term issues such as asthma, fertility issues, cancer, even digestive issues. I experienced that. But overall, toxicity levels, we want to keep as low as possible. You know, we want to do our best to protect ourselves. So that's why I love Beauty Counter being a part of that company. But either way, the products speak for themselves. They are the best beauty products I've ever used in my life. I love the skincare, the makeup, the hair care, the body products. It's all amazing. And we just released all of our holiday sets, which are incredible. Some of my favorites are the Ultimate Nudes Palette. It's the best eyeshadow palette I've ever used in my entire life and has everything you'll ever need. I also love the Winter Jewels Palette. I love the Illuminating Trio if you want a nice contour highlight situation going on. We've got a good face mask set. We've got everything. And the new eyeliner coming out. Great. I got great wing with that eyeliner so the liquid eyeliner i'm talking about if you want a good liquid eyeliner check out the beauty counter stuff but i also love the charcoal bar and the charcoal mask as usual i've been loving their rejuvenating toner pads as well the citrus mimosa body wash and pretty much all the shampoos and conditioners i rotate through they're amazing I also love the split end serum. So those are just a few of my faves. If you want to do your holiday shopping, I recommend going online and just doing it right now. And if you spend over $100, definitely join Band of Beauty because you get free shipping, a free product. You get money back on every purchase you make and it basically pays for itself. So yeah, if you want to check it out, head to beautycounter.com slash Christina Rice. It's a super easy way to start making the switch to safer skincare and beauty products all non-toxic and you can 
look up exactly what ingredients are used so you know that it's safe for you and your family. Again, beautycounter.com slash Christina Rice. All right, let's go back to Sarah. Have you heard of blue collar and pink collar jobs? Um, I mean, I've heard of blue collar. What's pink collar? So there's this idea in the United States that pink collar jobs, so jobs where, you know, people are caretakers. Mm -hmm. So like home health aides, um, nurses, teachers, a lot of those jobs are jobs that are dominated by women, but they're looked down upon as jobs that men don't want to take on because they're viewed as lesser. Whereas like in other societies, teachers are hold to such high esteems because they're teaching the next generation. It's just interesting how in the United States, you know, teach like, Teachers don't get paid very well. You know, home health aides don't get paid very well. Um, some nurses do, but some like medical assistants don't get paid very well. And it's just interesting to see the dynamic of what other countries consider important in terms of occupations and what the U.S. does. Yeah, that is something that I get so worked up over the teachers and like our teachers do not get paid enough. And this is what's happening is like we should the smartest people in America should be the ones teaching the next generation. Like, doesn't that make more sense? But those, Oh, absolutely. So that, so that our next generation can be as smart as possible and we can keep building ourselves up, right? But the smartest people in our nation are not teachers because they don't make enough money. They don't make money, you know? So no. it's like this, we got ourselves in this cycle and it's so messed up. And like, I just, it kills me. It doesn't make any sense. And I'm like... Uh, like no wonder all these other nations are surpassing us you know i know speaking of like compassion and other nations surpassing us can we just talk about the food industry i would love to dip into that about like how frustrating it is living in america and viewing looking at our food and like i feel like like no i don't want to say there's no compassion because that makes no sense but like there's just so much crap it's like oh it's so frustrating no i totally agree like I mean, like, in terms of ingredients and, like, um, how our crops are handled and things like that and, like, mislabeling. Also, but my biggest pet peeve, though, on Instagram is, like, when people are, like, oh, look at this ing- these ingredients. And it's, like, but it's, like, not, like, okay, for example, there are some non, there's some ice creams out there that people will show the ingredients and be, like, oh, look how, quote, unquote, clean these are. And they're not. I, yeah. I just, like, I don't. I hate what actually it's so funny because I got a DM the other day. I was, I was showing off, um, this brand of bars and they have very simple ingredients. And that's what I said was simple. And they were like, thank you so much for not using the words clean or because there's this idea that like a clean diet is like a super healthy diet when like quote unquote, some of the clean foods out there are totally not good. Like are still like full of crap. Yeah. And so I like to use the word simple because you know, if you, if you have a a thing that's five ingredients or less, yes, that's a very simple food. And, you know, I think that that's what people are looking for. I think people's terminologies in the food world on Instagram are just so twisted, but that's just me. No, I totally agree. And I'm so glad you brought that up. And I mean, you know, this, this like grinds my gears when all of these people who people think of them as healthy food bloggers and they talk about these products and I'm like, that's not like, they'll be like, look at these perfect ingredients and they're reading them off. And I'm like, do you know what that ingredient even is? Like there's like, and it, it, it makes me so upset because the consumer just like says, okay, whatever so-and-so says is healthy. And if so-and-so says it's healthy, then it's healthy, you know, instead of like deciding for themselves, I guess I, I just, 
at the end of the day, I think we have to recognize that if you're not buying, you know, fruits or vegetables, like if you're buying a packaged good that you see on Instagram, I think at the end of the day, we just have to remember that it's a business Mm -hmm. and the goal of a business is always to make money. So you really like, you can't rely on an Instagrammer to tell you whether or not a product is quote unquote healthy. You have to make that decision for yourself. You have to look at the product and you have to, because for me, like I can ingest gluten, no problem. And I think for me, like living on a a low fat, high carb diet for me personally is better for my body. Mm -hmm. So what I say might be healthy, might not be necessarily healthy for you. So Mm -hmm. you have to go out there and make your own decisions about what you like to eat, what you should be able to eat and not rely. I love, um, I listened to your straight up paleo podcast and there was a a woman on there who was describing her diet and it it sounded like a bunch of like things on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I think that people just need to like take more autonomy for themselves and take more responsibility for themselves and make decisions, not based on what they see on Instagram, but what works for their body type. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up. And you know, I'm a big believer in that. It's like such an important point. Like what's healthy for you won't be healthy for somebody else necessarily. Like, for example, like my body would explode if I ate beans. Like that's just my body does not digest them at all. I've never been able to. Right. But that works for your body. Like and it doesn't mean that one person's right or wrong. And there are so many people who I love and adore on Instagram, for example, and in real life who don't eat anything close to the way I eat, that doesn't mean anything less. It just means we're like different humans, you know? Oh yeah. Like, <laughs> and I would never look down on you being yeah. like, Oh, Christina can't eat beans. Like, Oh, she's horrible. Like, no. And you would never look down on me saying like, why does she eat so many carbs? You know, exactly. like you just have to do what's best for you. It's just, uh, and also like, I think people, so we were talking about this before, but it just, I am trying to get out of this thing where I've noticed that certain things on Instagram, like get a lot more likes than other things. So for example, like if I, I used to do this thing where I would dictate my diet based on what kind of post would get more likes. Mm-hmm. So for example, like the stupid algorithm, which I know we all know and love, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I would like make avocado toast every day because avocado toast, if you don't know on Instagram gets a ton of likes, like just, I don't know why the algorithm does this, but it does. So I would eat avocado toast every day for like five days a week. But the problem is, is it didn't have the nutrients that my body needed. Like it has no protein. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would just feel so hungry afterwards. And at the end of the day, like if it were my choice about what I ate, like for dinner every day, it would just be like a lentil curry, like a lentil doll with like avocado and brown rice and an egg on top. Like that for me is ideal. But the problem is, is it doesn't photograph well. So why am I, but then why am I picking what I want to eat based on what looks good on Instagram? Like that's so silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's funny because it's like, that's where the consumers need to take more responsibility, understanding which Instagrammers are on there as a business and it's food photography versus like here are my healthy eats like most of my like favorite accounts for like actual food inspiration are people who don't have that many followers and like their feed isn't like curated it's like messy meals and like doesn't really look that pretty because I act that's like the food I actually eat right versus like there are other people who whose accounts I love but I don't look to them for like actual meal inspiration it's like food photography you know Uh, yeah also like certain things are just not sustainable like for the average person like there are a lot of like so for me um so I'm very fat intolerant I took a medication when I was um I took Accutane when I was a kid 
and uh, for my acne. And it just and if you don't know what Accutane is, it essentially poisons you on vitamin A to essentially shut down your oil production in your skin so that it gets rid of your acne. I have horrible acne. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have acne, but it basically destroyed a lot of my gut bi- microbiome. And so I've been tight for years. I've been trying to build it up. Um, and part of the consequences of that was I cannot digest fat very well. And the big trend now on Instagram for you know people is to eat a lot of fat. Now for some people like you, that works for you. Mm-hmm. But for me, like I was trying to eat like fat balls and avocados and dumping olive oil on things. And I would just have the worst bowel situation yeah. like ever. And people, and, and it didn't work for me, but because it was trendy, I kept just kept trying and trying. And, and you, at the end of the day, I had to sit back and be like, hold on, wait a minute. This isn't working for me. What am I doing wrong? Oh, it's because I'm eating a lot of fat and that's not what's working for me. Let me adjust my diet back to what I was eating. And then I was fine. But people need to like take food trends and recognize them as trends and not, you know, because nutritional scientific data is always changing. As a statistician, I can tell you like it's, there's never been like, should I drink coffee black? Should I not? Should I be even drinking coffee at all? Like there's just such a disagreement, you know, a disagreement in nutrition science about what, you know, what we should be doing versus not. Absolutely. And I mean, this is what I study all day, every day. Right. And I'm like, you can take any, any diet, thing and find science against it and for it you know like every yeah. you can find science for and against high fat diets you can find science for and against high carb diets like you can find science any way you want it's just what you're looking yeah. for you know and why do you think that is that's because there's not gonna be a right answer there's not one diet that is going to work for every single person also it just kills me yeah also it just kills me I'm a statistician so I am very good about like learning how people use statistical methods to analyze data Mm -hmm. and it just kills me because I will read some of the nutrition science and I'm reading like how they do like their studies and they're not a lot of times they're not double blind they're not you know controlled it just kills me because I'm like these a lot of the studies out there are total crap and you can't read like it's like reading a Facebook headline without actually reading the article and like seeing the information behind it and people really need to do their own research before like just listening to some uh, like reading a a statement about a diet that might work for them or might not like people just need to be very critical of what they read yeah I'm so glad you brought that up and it's the number of studies that are done on like 15 people total or, or the ones the ones that really make me mad are the ones that are done they're about macronutrients and they don't use real food they'll use like a powder formula oh yeah and I'm like that is completely different than fueling your body with these macronutrients in the in like with fruits and vegetables you know versus like a a powder and water how can you even compare that but people don't read the actual studies and they don't they don't get that you know? you know what's crazy? It's so funny you brought up powders and stuff because have you ever heard of Huel? H-U-E-L? No. Huel is like, so- it's the new Soylent, which is like this, it's supposed to be like this drink that you're supposed to drink that like has all of your micronutrients and your, you know, your nutritional value during the day so that you can basically just drink two of these and then have like all the calories and all the nutrition. Mm-hmm. And it just like, for me, like 
obviously number one, like it takes away the culture of like sitting down and having a meal and like eating together and like why that's important for our mental health. But also like, are you actually getting the nutrients and the, that you need? Because like food is amazing. It like the, even the, in the structure of food and where, and I'm, I'm not a nutritionist, so I can't, you know, but from what I understand, from what I've talked to people about, it's the, the structure of the food is inadvertently like helping you, your body absorb the nutrients of that food. So it's just, it just drives me up the wall that like people think like, especially, you know, having a lot of friends doing consulting who might not necessarily like have time to think that maybe that's a good way to go about getting nutrition. It just like, oh, it drives me bonkers. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And also going off of this, just like, I just feel like people will never understand like the sponsorships like it is a business like from working from the back end it's like i'm sure you know if you get an email from a company and you say no thanks right and then next week you see 20 bloggers promoting it and i'm like well i know they're just promoting it because they get paid x y and z like i know which brands have big budget and which brands are just paying everybody you know yeah like that's why people are promoting it and it kills me. It really kills so, me. So I'm going to give a shout out to two of my favorite bloggers because they've actually just touched on this. Um, Fit Strong Shan, as well as Emily Eats. Um, and just bringing to light this idea about, you know, advertising on Instagram and why it's so important for you as a consumer to know when a blogger is doing an ad. Because I, I mean, we've talked about this where I will be sitting there and scrolling through my feed and I know that something's an ad but the blogger is like not disclosing it yeah and that's actually illegal I know that's actually like you can be fined for that I was just it's absolutely crazy. yeah no I was just actually talking about this with my friend on the phone last night because like a huge blogger just did an ad and didn't put ad and you like it's illegal and it's bullshit and this is the thing there's nothing there's nothing wrong with sponsored posts so it's like to me if if somebody is afraid to disclose that it's an ad when it is that to me indicates that like what why are you hiding that it's an ad like does that mean you don't actually like like i don't really know why you're hiding it versus like i have no shame if i'm gonna do a sponsored post i'll put ad because i'm not gonna work with a company unless i actually love it you know yeah um so i mean absolutely I think that people are afraid because from what I've understood with the algorithm, if you put hashtag ad in the caption, your engagement goes down. But like, I don't know. I think people, it's just really disingenuous for people. And especially like, even like certain things, like it's just really disingenuous for people to not disclose that they're being paid or even like, if, if you see like a, a unique hashtag, even in the caption, you should be very wary about whether or not that's a sponsored post or not, because half the time it is. Yeah. And it just, it can be so confusing for people. Honestly, you need to make the decision for yourself, whether or not this product is good. And you should not feel like in, you should not feel pressured to buy something and eat it just because your favorite blogger does. Like, for example, there are certain products that I've tried other, that other bloggers have promoted and I absolutely hate it. Mm-hmm. And it's like a $6 item. I mean, I can go away. I guess I don't want to necessarily go into all the specific things, but like, it just makes me, oh, it just frustrates me to no end. No, I agree. And it, was it, you were talking about this, like the, like, like buying a latte every freaking day. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I, I see. I'm like super, I don't want to say I'm, I'm not cheap, but I'm just like very conscious about the fact that look, like 
if I'm going to buy a latte, it's going to be a really damn good quality latte. And I'm going to do it like, and it's going to be a treat. Yeah. It's not going to be like an everyday thing. And I, you know, I've gotten really good about like making my own coffee. And again, it goes back to this idea of like having healthy living be accessible to people. For most people having a latte every day, what, like a $4 latte, like five days a week, that's $20. A lot of people don't have that. Yeah. And like people just need to recognize that like, you know, how you choose to live quote unquote healthily, like for some people, you know, doing that might be sustainable for others that might not be. Yeah, exactly. And you don't need all these crazy, like adaptogens into your, in your coffee every day oh, to be healthy. Oh my God. Can I tell you, I had such a bad reaction to maca. Like I, a lot of like, people do. A lot of people do. Oh, I can't, I can't do it. Like for me, like all of like the one superfood, I guess, thing that I like is like turmeric, but people don't even know how to use turmeric in a correct way because you need like something, you need black pepper in yeah. order to your body be, to be able to like access the nutrients and people just will like dump turmeric. And plus like turmeric, like I cook a lot of Indian food, like turmeric is not like the most interesting spice in my opinion when you like there's so many more interesting spices out there and I wish people would just like open their mind a little bit to the possibilities of what they can do with their food yeah what what are your, some of your favorite spices Ooh, that's good I love cardamom it's so I don't good. use that enough what do you put it on give me Ooh, an, what's everything a, what's a good veggie to put it on is it good on vegetables um if you do it with a couple other spices, so like if you do like cumin and coriander, which is like cilantro seed and curry powder and uh, a little bit of cardamom, or even just like, like I know you do a lot of roasted vegetables with cinnamon, yeah. try doing that with a little bit of cardamom and it just like adds that little edge. It's a little spicy. It's kind of like a mix between like cinnamon and black pepper. Just like add a little bit and okay. it's just crazy. Also, fenugreek is one of my favorites. It just, it's that spice that makes Indian food taste Indian that you don't, you're like, hmm, what is that? It's fenugreek. Oh, that's such a good tip. Okay. I need to check those out. See, you, you know, your stuff, people need to pick up on these hints. The other thing I want to talk about before we wrap up is like attitudes toward healthy living and healthy mm -hmm. choices, like food and movement and just overall healthy lifestyle habits. Um, yeah. I think that honestly is a big deterrent for people. Like people will say, well, I don't want to eat that because people will make fun of me at work. Or like, I don't, I don't want to get up. I don't want to work at a standing desk because people will make fun of me, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, do you have a response? <laughs> yeah. I think that, I mean, for, I, I mean, I think people realize from my Instagram that I have a lot of not, I don't have a lot of shame. Yeah. I will talk on my phone. Like, but I, for a lot of people, you know, doing something that goes against the grain is a little different and it like, it can bring a lot of shame. Like I have friends who like will bake vegan things and they'll bring them to their coworkers and their coworkers will make fun of them. And I think it's just like a lot of it is just, you know, I like to think that going against the grain and doing something different in the end is going to pay off for me. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't want to be boring. And I think that the most interesting people I've ever met in my life are people who are not afraid to go against the grain and to be a little different and to be interesting. And, um, I think that just like owning that and just saying like, you know what, like what's the worst thing that can happen? People will make fun of me and I'll be embarrassed. But like embarrassment goes away. That feeling goes away after like five minutes and half the time, like, I will bring in lunch, right? And it'll be like a grain salad or something. Like I love Frika. It is the most insanely delicious grain. And people were like, ooh, like what is that? Like it was like this beige thing. But then 
I actually, you know, brought in a huge container for people to try one day at work. And now people like say jokingly say like, Hey, Sarah, when are you going to cook for all of us? Like, it's just owning what makes you different. And you know, if you experience a little bit of shame, like knowing that that's just temporary, I think people are uncomfortable with the idea of being uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think people just need to be like, you know what, like, being uncomfortable is the only way that I'm going to change for the better. And just accepting that as like some, a condition in life, that's just what's going to happen. Yeah. And people who take the time and energy to make fun of somebody who is making healthy choices, like that says much more about the person who is making fun of you than it does about you. That honestly usually points to insecurity in themselves because like, why do they care so much what you're doing? You know? Oh Yeah. Well, I was the kid who would bring sushi to school when I was like six years old and like, like like real, right. Like everyone would think I was lucky, but like I was six years old in like 1999 and (laughs) people would, people would look at like my raw tuna sushi and be like, what, what, what is wrong with you? And I would just be like, and even as a kid, I had no shame. I was like, I like this. It's delicious. Like, I'm going to eat it. Like, I don't care. And now people, like, now, like, I tell you this in 2017, and you're like, whoa, like, your parents, like, to buy you sushi and for you to have the balls to bring it to school, like, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Is it? Okay, because I feel like D.C. is really, like, a hustler town, right? Oh, absolutely, Um, yeah. Would you say it's more so than New York? Ooh, that's a good question. I think it's a different type of hustle. Because I think in New York, it's a lot more creative people hustling from what I've seen. And in D.C., don't get me wrong, like, there's a lot of creative. I've seen a lot of bands, like, not just with food and blogging, but, like, musically and with art. And But it's just, I think people are hustling for, like, because it's the, where the, the government is, it's a hustle for power. It's kind of weird, you know, it's kind of like a different type, but I am so blessed that I've lived in two cities. Um, three, if you count Philadelphia, because that was like my city growing up, like I've been so blessed to see all of the different, um, like all the different people hustling and trying to make their way into something that they're passionate about. And for me, like, it's just been such a privilege to see that. Yeah. That's so that's so cool. I've never been to DC, so I need to. But like in the, in that in terms of that, because it's such a hustler for hustler city. Like in terms of power, do you think that that makes people look down upon healthy practices? Yes and no. It's actually interesting because they did this whole retrospective about like. So they did this thing. So like when the when uh, the Trumps were elected into the White House, the Washington Post did this whole retrospective about like. Uh, what it says about like Ivanka Trump that she does flywheel and what Michelle Obama is when she, because she does soul cycle. And it's just like, like in DC, I, in, I think that before it was like super conscious about, you know, being working hard and like kind of like throwing like self care to the side. But the more that I'm here, like everyone in DC has a, like, I would say DC is per capita is a healthier city than New York in terms of like, I, everyone who I see in DC is running or has a yoga mat or is going to a class. Like in New York, I never saw like quite the concentration of people doing that kind of stuff, which is so cool. Like DC has, like, I would do yoga on the mall all the time. Like every Wednesday they used to have like yoga on the mall, which was amazing. Like there's just so many opportunities to be fit in DC that you wouldn't think about. Like if you were, you know, the average person, like who doesn't live there. So I think I've been better able to balance actually like doing like stuff like that and like 
living in DC, also like the, the warmer climate helps a lot. Like the fact that it's warmer longer is very helpful. Yeah. I was just thinking like the other day I was talking to my friend and she was saying how she can't take a lunch break because it's looked down upon in her office. And I was like, um, I don't care if it's looked down upon, take a lunch break, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's hard. I understand, like, if there's a corporate culture where, like, lunch... Because I, I worked in finance uh, when I, I interned in finance when I was in college. And, like, yeah, there's a lot of corporate culture where you feel, like, pressured not to take a lunch break. But I recognize that for me personally, like, I can't do that. And that's why, like, for me, finance is just not a career path that I want to pursue. I'm very lucky in my job now that, like, breaks are encouraged. And, like, you know, they understand that, like, to think, because like thinking in terms of with economics and statistics, like contrary to popular opinion, it's it requires a lot of creativity, mm-hmm. and so they because you have to think of models and ways to like model data in order to explain it, and a lot of that requires a lot of nuanced thinking. So it's encouraged to take a break because you can't like possibly think creatively, and I think a lot of corporate culture is coming around to that and understanding that breaks are an important part of the workday. But if that doesn't work for you, and I know it's hard to say, like, just quit your job and, like, find another job. Like, that can be daunting for a lot of people. But for me, I knew that that kind of culture was not going to be well-suited to my own work style. Yeah. I forget what I was listening to the other day, but it was just talking all about how our attitude toward work in America is completely different than every other nation. And every other nation is doing much better because of it. Like we are the only nation that like other countries will have like a summer break, like three weeks off or other countries will only work for like four to six hours during the day. Um, you know, and all of these differences and like, it's like, we don't stop working and ever like throughout the day, throughout the week. And it ends up just blunting our creativity and our productivity. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I think for me, I have to schedule blocks like we talked about within the day, because if I don't like cap on my work, like I'm sure you get, you know, this, like I can work forever Mm -hmm. doing my blogging, but if I don't shut it down and like, I don't make a conscious decision, like, okay, I have to stop my content. I find like ends up not being as good as if I were to, you know, just keep going and going and going, you know, like that's just, that's me personally, but I think that in the U.S., you know, it's like working longer means that you're a better worker. Like, I don't know if you know this, but in finance, a lot of times, like, I have friends who basically, if you stay longer than 8 p.m., you get, you're incentivized with free dinner and a cab ride home. Are you like, serious? You stay, no, I am dead serious. It's crazy. That's and bull. Like, yeah, and, like, what are you actually doing during those 12 hours? Like, nothing. Yeah. And, yeah, it just promotes an unhealthy culture of like working 16 hour days. And like, yeah, you're making a lot of money, but are you happier? No. Like, no, I don't think so. And for me, like my happiness is worth a lot more than what the extra $30,000 I could be making. Hell yeah. That was the best statement ever. <laughs> oh my God. I, meanwhile, I have a side hustle and I'm like doing like all of this work on top. But you know, I feel like if it's your passion project, like that's way different than just like staying at an office and doing work just because you're incentivized to stay. I think it's two totally different things. Oh, absolutely. It's totally different when you're hustling for something that you just like would be doing whether or not you made any money from it. Oh yeah. It's so interesting to me because I feel like so many people DM me on Instagram to say like, how do you, like, I want to make money doing this. How do you make money doing this? And Uh it's so interesting because I started my blog, like, not like I was seriously doing it starting a year ago, but like I started it two years ago. And honestly, I had no intention of making any money. 
I, I didn't even know that was a possibility. Yeah. I didn't even know it was a possibility to get free product. And it's just so interesting to me because I was doing this kind of stuff, like my blogging, like whether I liked it or not. And it was, I remember like getting my first email from a company saying like, Hey, we want to send you free product. And I was shocked. I was yeah. absolutely like shocked that that was a, that was a thing. And I was like, well, yeah, like that's awesome because I've been buying their product for forever. But now it's almost like it's accepted and it's expected that people receive free product if they have more than 5,000 followers or something. Yeah. And like, you know, and it's just like, it's just so different and weird. And it's like, I can't really offer advice to people because, you know, I started two years ago. You're not going to be able to replicate what I did because it was a completely different time and place and attitude towards Instagram and bloggers. Yeah. And I mean, I told you this before, like this is one of my pet peeves, like all of these really big bloggers who are giving out advice. I've seen people like make courses and yeah. or, like say they're going to write books. And I'm like, you, I'm sorry, but like, you can't give advice when you built your following two years ago when the space was so different. Like, it's not the same thing as today. Like, you don't even... And then I feel bad because people take their advice and then they freak out because it's not working. And I'm like, well, of course it's not. It's totally different. It's totally so different saturated. Yeah. The market now is so saturated. And, like, people... It's like, you really have to be something completely different. Like, the thing is, is... Now I think a lot of what a blogger's brand is, is not the recipes that they make or like the diet that they have. It's their stories and their personality. And that's what draws people to one blog versus another. And it's just to me, like you have to be a different person that people are interested in. And it's just like, I can't offer advice on how to change your personality. That's best suited for Instagram. Like, I'm sorry. Like I do what I do. And I, like I said, I think what, I mean, I don't want to, you know, hypothesize this without evidence as a statistician, (laughs) but, um, I can't say like, oh, it's because I don't give a shit about what other people think that that's the reason why I'm a successful blogger. Like I can't translate that to your own success. You have to be your, I would just, I would say, I guess if I had advice, it's just to be yourself. And like, if yourself is best suited for Instagram, like that's great because at the end of the day, people don't really like recipes are all very similar. Like mm-hmm. it, there's not a whole lot of super creative creativity. Like I can't tell you how many different like avocado toast recipes I've seen or like how many times someone has made like a savory waffle. Like that's like, it's it, recipes. Like the creativity is so small, yeah. but like people are drawn to people's personalities and that's what's like, what's important. Absolutely. And people need to realize that also Instagram, I'm sorry, is not going to be here forever it's just not so no I know it's like hate to break it to you like at the end of the day you know hey do you know did you read the story that like AAM is like no longer a thing it like crushes my soul it crushes my millennial soul because I used to love that stuff I know I used to live on AIM. that was like literally my life and well that's the other thing it's like if Instagram is your job like your sole job I just feel like that's I don't for me that would be really unfulfilling no. And you need to diversify. Like, you know, if, if like, for example, like if I chose, like I'm kind of at a crossroads right now where I have to decide like where I'm putting most of my energy. And if I were to decide that like healthy living and like blogging was my true passion, I would feel the need to do diversify myself and like what I'm doing and not just use Instagram as like the way that I drive myself for money. Like, mm-hmm. cause at the end of the day, 
in five years, like we don't know if it's going to be like a reliable, stable thing. And if that's where you're putting all of your eggs, that's not sustainable. Yeah. No. Yeah. Good. Excellent advice. Well, thank you so much for coming back on for the 50th time. I'm really glad. Oh my glad. God, Christina. And we talked about totally different things. Yeah. And so now I feel like I can tease like there's so much more that you guys didn't even hear that we talked about that. I know. I know. God, I wish I could fix that other recording. We'll, we'll figure okay. out a way. Oh my God, Christina. I just have to say though, uh, so I'm at this hotel in New York in like the Flatiron District and they just opened Cha Cha Matcha, which is like the most Instagram-y Cha Cha like matcha place in New York. <laughs> and I was walking there and the line is like around the block. It's crazy. Of course. So I kind of want to go and like stalk them and like take a bunch of videos. I think you absolutely should. That literally makes my day. That sounds, oh my that sounds fun. Yeah. Um, and I just love that you are like in the middle of a hotel recording this with me. So. Oh yeah. By the way, giving a shout out to the Ace Hotel. It's the best. They have served Stumptown Coffee. It's the <laughs> best place to study in New York. So shout out to them because they like let me sit here and record this podcast for an hour hashtag not sponsored <laughs> hashtag totally not sponsored but like it's amazing yes okay why don't you tell people where they can find you absolutely so um my name is sarah once again um my handle on instagram is the cutting veg kind of like a pun on the cutting edge which like people are like oh ha 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 um, and then my blog is thecuttingvegblog.com. I'm on Facebook, The Cutting Veg. Um, and my Twitter handle is on The Cutting Veg because The Cutting Veg is actually a farm in Oregon that had taken the handle. So, yeah, I was kind of screwed out of that one. Do you use Twitter? I, uh, I'm not, I don't really, I kind of use it just to redo my Instagram. I like, I use mostly Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat. You can also find me on Snapchat as the cutting veg, but my stories are mostly where I post and you should just like find me on stories mostly. Yeah. You guys, Sarah's Instagram stories just make my day, make me so happy every day. It's my favorite part of my day. Catching up on your life. I'm a creep. I am so happy. No, be a creep. Like I love when people are like, Oh my God. Like when people know me, it's kind of weird. Cause people are like, Oh, I know so much about your life. Like I know about your dog and like all yeah. this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well that's a little weird, but it's also like a super, it's honestly, it reminds me of the privilege that I have to be able to share my life and my, my healthy living strategies with the world. And it just, it makes me really happy. I love that. Okay. Well, everybody make sure to check out Sarah and thanks again for chatting with me. This was so fun. Yes. It was fun. Even for the second time. Yes. Even better. All right. I'll talk to you again soon. Okay. All right. See you later, girl. Bye. Bye. Okay. That was amazing. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to that conversation with Sarah. She is such a gem of a human and has such great tricks and tips and so much positive energy from that woman. I love her. She inspires me and empowers me. And if you don't already follow her, read her blog, please check it out because she's just like a little bit of sunshine every day. You know, she makes my day. So I really appreciate her coming on. She is so busy. She does a lot and she took the time out of her day to re-record this with me it means so much to me. I would love to have her on again because I can talk to her for 500 million years. So make sure you go to thecuttingvegblog.com and make sure you follow her on Instagram at thecuttingveg and check her out in all the places. And I think that's it for this week. I really enjoyed this. I hope you guys did too. And I will talk to you again next time. All right. Bye.